No Chris Moxley. Uh, he is off shopping for Hawaiian shirts. We are going to get to the 2023 rankings and continue that conversation. If you didn't pay attention or listen to um, our first episode going through one through five at each position, I encourage you to go back and listen to that show. Today we're going to be going through um, six through ten. And I think that that's an interesting conversation because we're going to get some names that we may not have heard or who are going to we expect to make a big jump into the top 10. So top 10, 2023 rankings. What are the rankings going to look like at this time next year? Um, so there's that. We are by my count at day 241 of Austin playing defense against the show. He, pre- he is preventing his mom, not allowing his mom to come on. And it's offensive, quite frankly. Um, so I've thought this through and, if we all tweeted at Austin, he just block and mute all of you. So that's not going to work. I, I think. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> we're going to make this Alfred's problem. And that's fun. So we're going to tweet at Alfred. Tweet at Alfred JF on Twitter. Alfred, do your job. Okay. Just tw- and it's funny because one, it's going to annoy Austin. And two, Alfred's not going to know what the hell you're talking about because he doesn't listen to any of our content. So tweet at Alfred, and I'm going to do it myself here. If you're listening live or if you're listening to the podcast, go ahead and tweet at Alfred. Do your job. You can also leave us a five-star review and bitch at Austin for not bringing his mom on. So there's that. We have the Elite 11 Finals that we'll get to. And speaking of annoyed Austin, there's this conversation this debate that we have been having about whether or not in C2C supplemental drafts, you should be able to draft more than 15 players. So if you could kind of purge your roster and then draft back up to a full roster of 45 round players, we will get to that. But, but Matthew, uh, Matthew thinks that Brian Hartline is going to take the unprecedented step of going from wide receiver coach to college head coach, all because um, Ohio State is now paying wide receiver recruits over the table as opposed to under the table. Uh, Matthew, who, who, who are you excited about that Ohio State has gained commitments from here recently? And then, you know, tell us why we should care about them as far as C2C drafts. Yeah, I mean, for for starters, maybe I, I'm very bad at wording tweets at times. I don't mean like he's going to go straight from wide receiver coach to head coach. He'll become an offensive coordinator next, or he'll get that title in wording and on paper at Ohio State next, and then he'll eventually move up, I think, personally. I know some people disagree with that, but uh, with as good of a recruiter as he is, and that kind of seems to be the name of the game here in college because you can recruit coaches to – do all of that other stuff. But I think all three wide receivers that they got this week are very talented. You got Carnell Tate, wide receiver three um, in the composite. He was a five-star, went to IMG Academy, 6'2", 185. I actually think he's the worst out of the three. Uh, he got was the first to commit there a couple days ago. Um, can play inside and out. Um, his apparently has like huge hands, ten inch hands, something like that. Uh, but great body control. Yeah, Austin gets really excited for those big hands. Uh, Brandon Innes and Noah Rogers are the two that I like the most. Though Brandon Innes, six foot one ninety out of Florida, he is a five star as well. Wide receiver two in the composite. Uh, Yak monster. I think he's still developing a little bit as a wide receiver. He actually had to play a lot of quarterback last year due to injuries on his high school team. But he can create separation in route. I think he's got really quick feet. Um, sometimes I feel like lets the body get or the, the ball get into his body a little bit too much. But I think overall is going to be a very good wide receiver. And in my opinion, is that mold of wide receiver that Brian Hartline really likes. And the fact that he can play inside and out, I think he's going to be really good there. Noah Rogers, 6'2, 180 from North Carolina, four-star wide receiver, nine of the composite. He's the one I actually like the most. Very smooth route runner, gets in and out of his cuts and breaks really easily. Good uh, acceleration. Um, Very acrobatic catches on tape, and he can be elusive. What does this mean for Ohio State? I actually think it just means exactly what we just saw recently. I don't – that 2022 class is not good. 
outside of Keon Grace. And I feel like we've all been saying that. Like, I, I have high hopes for Caleb Burton. I think he's a good wide receiver. I think the injury hurt him. They had him doing a lot of special team stuff in spring, which I think it gives me some hope and promise that he's going to be something. But they really don't have anybody at a, after JSN. Um, when he goes to the NFL next year, you're going to have, it's going to be Marvin Harrison, Emeka Egbuka, and in my opinion, some mixture of Jade and Ballard and Julian Fleming still, because I don't think Fleming's coming out after this year, and I don't really think he transfers. At which point, I think Keon Grays gets on the field. At some point, maybe he becomes a starter. And then in year two, whether it's Devin Brown or if it's freshman Dylan Rayola, I think all three of those guys are going to be the guys with Keon Grays, and that's just a great group to have there. I think all three are good. All three can move in and out, be in the slot, outside, do everything that Brian Hartline likes. So I think it's a great thing for them and – Whichever quarterback's there, if it's year three of Devin Brown, he's got great weapons around him. I, I don't see how he fails. And if it's freshman Dylan Rayola, they throw out there. I mean, he's going to have phenomenal weapons. Austin, I mean, are, are you particularly excited about any of these recent commitments as it pertains to supplemental drafts moving forward or what it could mean for Devin Brown, Dylan Rayola, or Kyle McCord, whoever, is, whoever succeeds uh, CJ Stroud? It was big of you to put Kyle McCord in that same sentence. Um, you're you're growing, Felix. Um, so I, I I can really appreciate that. Um, it's going to be really interesting. You know, I'm not a big fan of Carnell Tate. I think there's a few guys every class that that people kind of point to. They get five star status and say, "Well, how is that guy up there?" And I think we should we like people generally like we like the collective kind of shoot like 50 50 on those. Like if we pick four names out of a year, like what is this guy doing? Two of them end up being pretty good living up to it. And two of them were right on. I think Tate's going to fall in that bucket for a lot of people. He just doesn't separate at all right now. He He's kind of the next big physically dominating wide receiver. That's at IMG Academy. Um, the last two guys that came out of there that are like that uh, haven't particularly done well. Jai Hall, though I think he's got other issues and then Corey Brooks, uh, he kind of falls in that bucket. I, I'm fading him pretty hard, but Rogers is interesting because he has that huge catch radius. Uh, he he might have like the the most fun like just pure highlights uh, in the class. Um, but Ennis is a guy I agree with Matt. I think Ennis is a guy that they're really gonna like. He's kind of a Mecca Egbuka ish, but I think he doesn't like he he will almost definitely be a close to the line of scrimmage guy. Like his his contact balance, his ability to break tackles after the catch. Um, really, really, really strong. Um, so he's the guy that I'm most excited for. And like Matt said, I think if you are drafting Grays or or, or, or Caleb Burton or, or Kojo Antwi, like I, I, Grays is the only guy from the 2022 class that I would advocate drafting of any sort. I think the rest of these guys, we just watched them all get leapt over in a probably less than 72 hour span. So don't don't. I think the the too long didn't listen. Don't don't draft uh, Caleb Burton. Don't draft Kojo Antwi. And if you were drafting Caleb Brown, what were you even doing in the first place? And I mean, I think in fairness to us, we pointed that out in the freshman guide. Like Keon Grace yeah. was the only one that had got any decent kind of ranking or anything in our freshman guide. And I'm pretty sure I wrote up the Caleb Burton eval and I'm, I put in there like, he's still going to be a long shot. Like it's just, he doesn't look like he's bounced back from that. Like I have hopes for him. I think he could develop into somebody, but I don't know that he will. We're mindful of the fact that we're throwing these names out here and you either haven't watched them a ton or uh, you haven't heard the names at all. But as more and more people flood into playing C2C, it's going to get more competitive. And so you're going to need to digest these names the same way that you would in Dynasty Fantasy Football. You already know the names in the 2023 class, you know, Bijan Robinson and, and uh, Jameer Gibbs and Jackson Smith and Buck. You got to evolve somewhat and start to take in some of these future freshman classes. And we're going to be right here with you at campuscan.com at the Debbie Debate, helping you digest some of the, these names. Speaking of future classes, Austin, Elite 11 is coming up. You know, I think that it's already understood that Elite 11 uh, and succeeding at that competition is a precursor to succeeding at the collegiate level and being an early round draft pick for a quarterback. These are absolutely names that we should know. One is not going to be there and that's Arch Manning who has narrowed down his choices to Georgia, Texas, and Alabama. 
And to me, that means that he's narrowed down his choices to Texas and Alabama. Um, what give us a sense of who's competing at elite 11 outside of Arch Manning, the number one quarterback in the class and who we, who we should be paying attention to. Yeah. So I'm just going to quickly read off the roster of guys that are going and, and if they're committed to a school uh, where they've committed at this point. Um, and I believe these are in order of the on three composite, um, which just takes all four ranking services on three rivals uh, ESPN and 24-7 Sports, and just equally weights them all 25%. What's up, Matt? So does 24-7 Sports now as well. Did they change it? They added on three a couple weeks ago, yeah. That, that was a uh, uh, shit. So they don't equally weight all of them, though. They oh, weight 24-7 gotcha. more. Okay. Which, yeah, yeah. On three, like they specifically say, we weight all of them equally 25%, 25%. 25%. Interesting. Split. Yes, which is interesting. Um, Malachi Nelson, I think, is is the biggest name, in my opinion, there. Uh, one, two with Arch on pretty much every single site. He's going, he's committed to USC, uh, almost certainly the heir apparent to Caleb Williams there for Lincoln Riley. Nico, I am Alivieva. That, that was terrible. Um, cut that, cut that. Um, we'll try this again. Nico, <laughs> I am Alieva. Uh, that was close. Um, going to Tennessee, the $8 million man there. Uh, Dante Moore, um, uncommitted, maybe Michigan, maybe Oregon, another uh, borderline four or five-star kid. Christopher Vizina, committed to Clemson. Jackson Arnold, committed to Oklahoma. Jaden Rashada, uh, uncommitted, possibly SEC lean. Eli Holstein, going to Bama. Ricky Collins, going to Purdue. Pierce Clarkson, going to Louisville. Uh, yeah, you heard that right. A top quarterback going to Louisville. Avery Johnson, undecided. Austin Novosad. Uh, committed to Baylor, but uh, got an Ohio State offer recently, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, J.J. Cole, Iowa State, Chris Parson, Florida State, Kenny Minchie, Pitt, oh yeah, Brock Glenn, uh, uncommitted, Marcus Stokes, Penn State, Malachi Singleton, Arkansas, uh, Brady Drogish, or Drogish, uh, Cincinnati, Zane Flores, Oklahoma State, and Emory Williams just committed the other day to Miami. I know a lot of names uh, if you want to go back and re-listen to all those. Uh, besides Malachi Nelson, though, which uh, he's my number one quarterback in the class, probably the most accurate. A poten- potentially the no- a 101 yeah. in, C- in C2C yeah. supplemental drafts next year. I mean, the quarterback for Lincoln Riley. It's been what? The only one that hasn't worked out so far has been Spencer Rattler. Like all the rest of them have been very, very good. Uh, a guy that you definitely, definitely want. Uh, I'm going to circle just two other names real quick that I think need to be on your radar that are not getting as much hype. uh, You can go to 24-7 and see who the five stars are. But some of these four-star guys uh, that maybe aren't as highly ranked that are interesting, Ricky Collins heading to Purdue. We we all like Brady Allen. We think he's going to be a pretty efficient passer. Uh, He's the true freshman at at Purdue this year. But Ricky Collins is really interesting. He's got a better arm, and he's more athletic than Brady Allen, which are not necessarily things that that, that Purdue – uh, and head coach Brom have looked for at the position, but it's just the upside is a little bit higher for him. So I'm interested to see if he can end up taking that job. Uh, and then uh, the other one I want to point out real quick is Malachi Singleton is a kid that I really haven't heard anybody talk about. Did really well at his regional. Um, I believe it was the one that Alfred was at actually in like Nashville. Um, he's going to Arkansas was the high school quarterback for uh, denial on Morissette and Samuel and two highly rated uh uh, freshman wide receivers in the 2022 class. Uh, so he, he fueled all of them last year. He's a dual threat kid, uh, perfect replacement for KJ Jefferson there. So just a couple, there, there's a little bit of a preview, just a couple of names um, that I want to single out that I, that I think should be on your radar moving forward. There you, oh, you got something you want to add something there, Matt? No. Yeah. Percent. I mean, I love, I love the Ricky Collins call. Uh, I, I, so Austin just mentioned we uh, he just mentioned a lot of names. You can go back and listen to this, or there will be a preview for this coming out on the YouTube channel on Monday that I am doing. I will talk about each one of these quarterbacks and, in my opinion, their strengths. Who I think has a chance to actually win the Elite Eleven that'll be dropping on Monday, and we also have an article previewing it as well with just quick little write ups, quick hitters on all of the quarterbacks. Uh, a bunch of us on the team did them. I do really like Ricky Collins as well. You know, live arm, he's extremely good at improvising behind the line of scrimmage. Like, 
I, I you had mentioned him. I, I want to say it was like three or four weeks ago. I think when I was talking about Brady Allen Austin, so I went back and looked at him, and I think you're going to end up being right on that. Unfortunately, as much as I like Brady Allen, uh, Pierce Clarkson, I think is another really interesting one. I know Felix did his write up. I mean, he's the son of a very famous coach who does a lot of these quarterback camp stuff and everything. Uh, split time with Kate Hauser at John St. John Bosco last year is going to be the full time starter this year. I think he's going to be a very interesting guy there. The thing I'm worried about with Malachi, like he's definitely QB1 in my opinion. I don't know that he wins this contest, something that I don't think a lot of people know. They had a big seven-on-seven tournament in Las Vegas. I think it was last week. He didn't perform very well, and there's a lot of rumors that he's dealing with a shoulder injury. Like he he didn't perform. He won. His team won. He didn't win any of like the MVP honors or anything. They didn't think he was the best quarterback because they said he's dealing. I'm just telling you what they said. They said he's dealing with some kind of shoulder issue. So I think it's just, I don't know that he'll win the elite 11. Not that that matters. I mean, I I don't want to Cade Klubnick won it last year and none of us are super high on him. We all had multiple quarterbacks ranked over him, including Devin Brown. So I don't think that that's the big thing I do. I mean, you guys know if you've listened to this, you've heard me mention him before. I don't think Austin Novosad wins it. But I do think he's a name that will get a lot more publicity coming out of this weekend just with how good of a passer he is, especially accuracy, some of the uh, velocity he can put on his throws. But I'm very intrigued to see how this goes. I think this is one of the better groups overall. I mean, you just mentioned uh, Emery Williams, who just committed to Miami. Like, dude's 45 in the composite. And then I went and was looking at his stuff, and I know uh, Pouse, one of our new Debbie guys, uh, he was talking about how much he likes him as well. Like, there's some really interesting candidates in here. Um, Austin, do you you think Malachi is the easy winner here? Uh, no, I actually think that uh, Dante Moore will win. Ooh, I like it. That's my prediction. Detroit stand-up. Dante, thank you, Austin. Dante Moore, very much a drop-back pocket passer from Detroit King, um, same school as Penny Boone. And I forgot who Penny Boone shared his backfield with at uh, – at King, but it's another kid who went D1. Um, uh, and Dante Moore, very much a target for Michigan, and I hope that they lose out on him. They will. He's going to go to Oregon. Oregon, it is. Um, I want to say, I, oh, go ahead. I think Dante Moore is a good pick. I have a weird feeling that as, as bad as this is going to be because none of us like him, I would not be su- surprised if Christopher Vizina wins it. Oh, that would shock me. I, I don't like him either, but I just think because of how accurate he can be, like I just I think there's a shot that he wins it. I feel like he's very much like Cade Klubnik. And Cade won it last year, not being special in my opinion at really anything. We are publishing an article um kind of summarizing all of the finalists at Elite Eleven. So be on the lookout for that at campuscan.com. Speaking of which, you can sign up for the website. It's just $2.99 a month to get in on an entry level uh, basis and you can join the discord, which is, I mean, one of the best benefits of the website, a very active discord with people who are very smart and passionate about football, both college and the NFL. Um, so check us out. Of course, if you want a discount, a little something off, uh, go ahead and check out Marcus sharp, sharp sports on YouTube, Marcus does a lot of recruiting videos. So these players that we're talking about now, as they're about to become freshmen, he has videos on a lot of them from a year or two, a year or two ago. Check out Sharp Sports uh, on his way to 300,000 subscribers. We're very proud to be partnering with him. And um, Dynasty Trades HQ and Rookie Fever, we uh, are partnered with them. So if you go check out their podcasts, you might hear a little promo code. Might little hear a little promo code with Sharp Sports. Um, we are turning up Austin's annoyance to a maximum here tonight because oh, uh, no. another conversation that he was was annoyed with was this kind of uh, overarching discussion about Campus to Canton supplemental drafts. Now, for those who are uninitiated, Campus to Canton leagues are uh, you have a college roster and an NFL roster. And when your college players declare for the NFL draft, they are added to your NFL roster. And you generally have 45 players on your college roster. And the discussion had been in uh, on Twitter earlier this week, 
is in some leagues, you are allowed to drop more than 15 players so that in a subsequent draft, supplemental draft, you can um, essentially take another shot at getting good players. So C2C supplemental drafts on a standard basis are 15 rounds. And in some instances, you can drop 17, 18, 20, so that you have an extra five picks. And you can, again, uh, try to kind of redo past wrongs as far as drafting. Now, some of the elitists, some of the C2C elitists, including Austin, including my friend uh, Brian Chakochis, Shaq, think that that just incentivizes bad drafting. I think my position is, is that it, I think it opens the game up to more people, at least, you know, on an entry level basis. And so I don't really have a problem with it. If you are, if you can take more than 15 players, I think that, you know, for some leagues that's appropriate and it may, maybe, maybe it should even be a standard setting or standard rule in campus to Canton drafts. I understand Austin's position on this and I'm going to allow him to respond, but what we're talking about here is after 15 rounds, you're talking about 140 some odd players being taken and you tagging some players on thereafter. I don't know that the hit rate for those next two or three picks after pick 40 are going to warrant you some league shifting player. And so if you are allowed to erase past mistakes you may be more apt to stay in the league over the long term. And so I think that that is a valid argument for why, Austin, why this should be a standard setting in C2C leagues. So I promise this isn't um, like a the grumpy response to this. Um, I just don't like have that much to say in contention of it. Like if you're you a, a standard roster in a campus to Canton league, like a st- if you think like, Boilerplate league is 12 teams, 45-man rosters. Depending on the league, you probably have some IR. You might have a small little like freshman taxi squad. Like, but but generally speaking, like 45 is the number we use when we're talking about a standard league. A 15-round draft allows you to turn over a third of that roster. That's a pretty significant turnover. Like, I, I understand if you're just in a total, total noob league, but I will say that the information on these leagues has has never been easier to come by. And and look, like I get that. I own a piece of the website named after this format that disseminates this information that has rankings and ADP and articles and, and, and has made it easier. But let's ignore the fact that campusdecant.com exists. Even if campusdecant.com did not exist, the rise of these recruiting services and the local beat guys that they have attached to them, um, the rise of Devi as a whole. I mean, you can go and join the Devi Deep Dive uh, uh, Patreon. You can, Devi Marketplace. I'm going to forget names here, and I'm going to feel like an ass after this. Devi Watch. Devi um, Royale. Devi Royale. Um, um, Devi uh, Destination, Destination Devi. Devi. Like, and I, I'm going to forget more. So I, I'm sorry to all the people that I, I still love your stuff. Um, I just those are the ones that are like, and, and there's more. Like this stuff has never been easier to come by. I can speak as someone that started doing this four or five years ago. Um, guys, it was impossible to find information on this stuff. Like, literally, it was like um, Ohio State's receivers might be good this year. That's like the best information that was out there. There wasn't a breakdown on all the 13 man roster there and what their odds are. Like, it's it's just asinine that, I, that somebody can't, can't fumble their way through this draft, that they need to turn over 20 players, 25 players, 30 players. Like, we're trying to get more people into the format, but this is not a format for the faint of heart. If you want to, if you want, to, if you're not confident in your ability to do that, there is college fantasy redraft that you can draft a whole roster every year. Uh, there, there is an NFL redraft. Like there, there are other formats that allow you to do that. This is not the point of this format. So I think like that, that it's not a diss to anybody. I'm just saying like, if you have to turn over more than 15 players on your roster, Maybe, maybe, maybe take a step back and 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 reconsider what you're doing here. There were not recruiting, uh, excuse me, there were not breaking news recruiting videos yeah. available on YouTube at Campus Can's website telling you how a particular commitment affects subsequent supplemental drafts. There wasn't that information before. Matthew, you were going to add something. 
I was just going to say, I actually agree with Austin. I, I mean, like, seriously, he hit it on the last point. Like, if if you really need to turn over 20, 25, 30, just go play redraft. Like, it, there, there's no point. Like, I'm sorry, but 15 is more than enough. We're in one with Shaq where he lets you do 18, right? With some of the better, best people in this industry. A high buy-in. Like, yeah. High buy-in, yeah. I'm struggling to find 18 players to even cut just to make room for 18 draft slots right now. Like, it's not it's not that dire. Even if you're bad, look, if you don't want to trust us, Austin just named a ton of different sites. Like, if you don't think that you're, whatever you're doing is doing it right, then trust somebody else's process who's doing it. Give that a shot first before you just go and it's like, hey, everybody, you can cut up to 30 players and we're just going to 15. Like, again, then just go play redraft. It's probably going to work out better for you. You're going to have more fun. It's hilarious that the the screenshot that prompted this was a screenshot from one of the the folks that we have working with us. PJ, he, he yeah. collects all of our ADP. Um, and, and it's really funny that we're having this conversation about that one because it's like this ten team league, and it's clearly like an idiot league. <laughs> like the he drafted like thirty players, and they're all guys that are like top ten rounds of like startup ADP. So like. Whatever his league mates were doing, like they the the extra rounds didn't benefit anybody except for the sharpest person in the room, who was PJ. So, um, I mean, I I don't really know what to say beyond that. Just looking at what he was able to select in that draft, I, I will never voluntarily join a league with PJ who drafts more than anyone that we know. We are tweeting at Alfred JF. Do your job. We're going to get to the twenty twenty three rankings here. So again. We're talking about what we expect the top 10 of our campus to Canton rankings to look like at each position next year at this time. You can catch uh, episode one, I guess, part one of this little series from last week. So go ahead and check that out on the Debbie Debate page or on the uh, uh, Campus to Canton podcast feed. I'm going to start here with my quarterbacks. We're going six through 10. Um Guys, don't. I know you're going to be inclined to do it. Do not mention one through five because we want to incentivize the uh, the listeners to go back and listen to the uh, to the first episode. See, that's how you make it in this business. I feel like, like notoriously that. not a man of the people. That's notorious. That's uh, that's how you that's how you do it there. So you got to go listen to the other episode. I'm going to start with number six, Malachi Nelson, who we talked about. Um, he is. Uh, a Lincoln Riley quarterback. So he is going to, I, I think he'll probably be this. If, if Arch Manning ends up at Texas, he is a candidate to be the number one pick in supplemental drafts next year. But as of right now, I think it's Malachi Nelson. Oh, th that's one thing that I forgot to mention. When we were talking about the elite 11 class. This 2023 quarterback class is very highly regarded. Arch Manning, Malachi Nelson, Nico Iamalieva. They would all have been, I think they all would have been either the number one quarterback or right there uh, uh, as a number one quarterback with Drew Aller in the 2022 class. And all of them are landing at better spots than Drew, than Drew Aller had. So, uh, and not only that, but in the class as a whole, those three guys are at the top, Alieva, Manning, um, Malachi Nelson. So that's wanted to provide that extra con context Number at number six, I got Malachi Nelson. At number seven, I've got Hunter Deckers. I've got Hunter Deckers at number at number seven. I mean, I remember we were doing this exercise, and I'm looking like all the guys who are gone and what I expect from the dual threat Hunter Deckers. He is number seven. I have my wagon firmly hitched to him playing well. And if you are watching this or excuse me, if you're listening to this, Matthew just sunk his head and Austin took his headphones completely off, completely off. I had to um, make sure they were working correctly. I actually have Hunter Decker's uh, jumping Tyler Van Dyke, who is number eight for me. I think Tyler Van Dyke's going to play in a run-heavy system and doesn't have Charleston Rambo, doesn't have uh, Mike Harley. I think that his wide receivers are going to struggle. Even the guys that he has, Xavier Yastrepo, who will probably lead the team in receptions, he's very much a slot receiver. They don't have a field stretcher like they had in the Oklahoma transfer, Charleston Rambo, last year. And that's going to be a problem for them. I thought they would have added a wide receiver 
in the transfer portal. They haven't. Uh, I think that that's going to be an issue for Tyler Van Dyke in putting up the same numbers that he did last year, unless unless we see Will Mallory or uh, uh, Elijah Arroyo become a deep threat of sorts in the seam at tight end. Um, number nine, I've got Ty Simpson. Now, this is going to be interesting because uh, after Bryce Young leaves Alabama, we're going to see Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson compete for that job. Based on the spring game, everybody believes that that Jalen Milrow is prepared to make that jump. Ty, Ty Simpson is a very athletic quarterback, dual threat. Milrow is too, but I think that um, Simpson has a little bit more juice. And so this is somewhat of a projection and a risk, but I've got Ty Simpson number nine at number 10. And if this guy could stay healthy, he could put up some really explosive numbers. I've got um, – I've got uh, uh, Tyler Buckner, Notre Dame, who the last time we saw him play organized football, he put up 1,500 yards at, I I can't say the name in California. Somebody corrected me the last time I said this. Anyway, very much a dual threat quarterback, very much has breakaway speed. Um, I got Tyler Buckner. If I, Matthew, if I put the over under at 525 yards rushing for Tyler Buckner this season. Would you take the over or the under? I'd probably it take a- the under. I, I feel, uh, it's so if hard. We, look, I, we talked about I just threw that at you. We, you were not prepared for well, that. Well, no, I, I'm, that I'm trying to think off the top of my head because like, I don't know how much he'll run in that offense. I was going to go look and see what Jack Cohn did last year. Not that he's like a you know superb athlete, but we talked a little bit about this with, with DJ U last year on, on um, uh, the tailgate, the very first episode. We, we That was, like I think, his over-under on rushing yards, and me and Colin took the under, and everybody else took the over, and he actually went under. He hit it. He hit it if you take out the sacks. No, he was he still like if right take below it. I'm almost positive. But anyways, I, I'd i probably take the under. I think they want to be more of a passing team this year. At least that's what I would expect. So I, I take the slight under. I think you can get to 500. 520 seems like a lot. What did um what did Jack Cohn do here? I'm well, he's, Austin, up. what would you take, the over or the under on that number? I would take the over, and I don't really care if they're giving him designed runs or not, although they brought him in for specific packages last year, so I would think that they will again. Uh, But he just scrambles, too. Like, we don't really know. His pocket presence was pretty poor last year. If that continues, then it might just be a lot of drop the head and run. Um, So I would take the over on that. I think if we're, again, if we're like the NCAA, for whatever reason, they count sack yardage as negative rush yardage. But if you take that out, which is generally the thing you do, then, yeah, he goes over that pretty easily, I think. I mean, in 46 attempts last year, he had 336. So I guess it's possible he could go yeah. over 520. Yeah. Yeah. He had 300 yards rushing as a backup? Yeah. Ten, Top, well, I mean, 10 games, 46 attempts, 7.3 yard average. Yeah. I don't even remember him playing that much. Um, all right. Well, there's there's uh, that for uh, for my six through 10 at the quarterback position. We are tweeting at Alfred JF. Do your job. Austin, why don't you do your job and give us your six through 10 at the quarterback position? Sure. Um, I know you said that I'm not allowed to say who was in my top five. So um, I, I think uh, just, just to say real quick, Felix, so you had a couple guys in yours that um, like, I assumed everybody that could go to the NFL goes. So I don't have anybody that is that like has been in college for more than two years by that or more like three over three years by that point. Um so no, uh, no, no Deckers, no TBD, no, no some of these guys. Um, so number six, uh, Drew Aller. I don't think his stock is going to take a hit at all because he won't play at all this year. I am starting to get a little concerned about him uh, at Penn State there. The line's not very good, um, and he's just looked bad the past couple times we've seen him. But I, you know, I'll, I'll trust that he's looked good previously uh, and leave him there for now. Number seven, Arch Manning. I have Arch Manning in my top 10. <clears throat> and actually, I'm going to have a couple guys here in my top 10. Um, I mean, he's going to go to Georgia or Texas, probably Texas. That's a very high-powered offense. Ewers um, will play one year, and then Arch will just step right in and continue things on. I mean, I don't know what else to say. He can run a little bit. He's, he's more mobile than his, uh, his, his uncles have been. Um, so I'm going to put him there at number seven. Number eight, we talked about Dante Moore earlier in the show. Uh, if he goes to Michigan, he will not be in my top 10. Just to throw that out there. 
Um, they, they've really just had a, a knack of ruining players lately. Uh, but if he goes to Oregon, I think Oregon actually be a great spot for him. Uh, a, a lot of really good talent there. They generally have a pretty good offensive line. Um, the conference isn't quite as tough as the Big Ten. So um, I, I really, really like his spot there if he were to go to Oregon. Uh, number nine, Ty Simpson. Uh, quarterback at Bama. This is assuming he gets that job. I do think it will be a tough fight between him and Jalen Milrow there uh, next year once Bryce Young heads off to the NFL, but I, I'll give the edge to Simpson uh, for now. Uh, and the number 10 is Drake May. UNC I put in here. I was a little lower on May early in the offseason just because I didn't think it was necessarily guaranteed that he was going to win this job. They have some other very talented quarterbacks on that team, Jacoby Criswell uh, and then the true freshman Connor Harrell. They're, they're all pretty good. They all look good in preseason uh, or in the spring game. Like I, I think if any of them were on that team, they they would do fine. Uh, but May looks like he probably has that job. He's going to pass for a ton of yards. Um, they have uh, some pretty athletic guys there around him. Downs, Josh Downs, his, his leading wide receiver probably leaves. But um, I'll put May at 10 for right now. So, yeah, Drew Aller, Arch Manning, Dante Moore, Ty Simpson, Drake May. So my six through 10, uh, you guys have both mentioned a couple of guys that I had in my top five, including Aller and Nelson. Uh, for six, I had Devin Brown. Um, I mean, I'm just going to give away most of my list now. I had Kyle McCord in my top five because I, I had mentioned that I think he wins the job. If he does, I think Devin Brown's going to transfer out. He'd be a starter on 99.8% of college teams right now. So he's going to get a starting job wherever he goes. Obviously, if he beats out Kyle McCord, then he's going to jump up those rankings. But right now, again, I'm assuming that Kyle McCord wins that job. So Devin Brown at six for me. At seven, I have Dante Moore as well. Uh, I just think he's phenomenal. I, I, I'm with Austin. I really hope he does not go to Michigan. But even if he does, I think he's good enough that he'll produce, he'll he'll be able to outproduce what Harbaugh wants him to do because I feel like Harbaugh is going to drag him down a little bit, but Dante Moore will be good enough. At eight, I I kind of went back and forth on these last three guys, but I went Cameron Ward. I really like him, and someone that I respect, uh, Jordan Reed, who does a lot of different stuff at ESPN than the old heads is the way I'll put it. Mentioned that he thinks that there are NFL people who really like Cameron Ward. He still needs to develop some. I think he could stay for two years. I'm a little worried about, obviously, the Pac-12 and that offense, but he does have his old coach coming over to be the offensive coordinator, so they already have that. He's going to play weaker competition. Like, I th And I do think he's got the arm talent to be an NFL player. I just think there's things pointing against that right now. If he goes out and has two really good years, I do think he could get drafted. And and again, Debbie rankings right now, and I'm just gonna not saying he's a Desmond Ritter like prospect. He's much better than Desmond Ritter. But if you had Desmond Ritter in your top ten last year and all the talk about him getting first round draft capital, if you moved him at that point in time last year, you, you got a steal for him. Like if we if you really don't think Cameron Ward can do that, then move him once the season's over with. Uh, at what is that at? That puts me at nine. I had Drake May. Uh, I, I liked him last year, like him now. I think that UNC offense is going to be really good. And 10, I had Jackson Dart, and I just I didn't love it. I was battling between him, Sam Heward, Arch Manning, who is my third in that class. Like, I was battling between those three, and I went Dart just because I saw what. I forgot his name now. My good Matt Corral did last year in this offense. I think Dart's a better player. I think they'll use him as a runner. I think he's just a better passer overall. I don't think he's got the decision-making concerns we have for with Matt Corral. If he goes out there for two years and produces in the SEC, in that offense, I think there's a realistic shot that he gets decent draft capital. So I put him there at 10 over Sam Heward, who may not start. And I'm just, I, I still have questions about Arch. Even if he goes to Texas, I think it's a great spot. But I just I wouldn't take him in my top 10 right now. Jordan, Jordan Reed brings up Cameron Ward. And all of a sudden, Cameron Ward is a potential NFL traffic. Okay. I'd, all right. All right. That's the it. people I in the audience it. seem to think that you've never talked about Cameron Ward, Felix. I don't know what's going on here. Some, uh, Austin has, has written in the comments that Felix has never once said anything about Cameron Ward. Don't let him 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 fool you. He's uh, he is He is in the peanut gallery also. Let's move here to the running back position. At number six, I've got Branson Robinson, and I think I'm guilty of this myself, but we, the, and the community is also, 
but kind of focusing it in on what it is that they believe Robinson cannot do as opposed to what he can. What he is is a freshman built like an NFL running back already and has uh, very good power and burst, even if he doesn't have necessarily the lateral agility that you'd want. And I don't think that he necessarily plays a, a ton this year, and I don't see him taking a dip in value. And after we lose the running back class, he's going to be right there uh, at number six and not lose value. I mean, think about what Kendall Milton's value was after his freshman year, after his sophomore year. Didn't really, didn't really take that much of a hit. So I've got Branson Robinson uh, at number six, and I have him jumping Raheem Sanders. I'm somewhat afraid of of – Arkansas having a three-man committee between Sanders, Dominique Johnson, and um, A.J. Green. I think that we all believe that Green and Sanders are the most talented of that group. But if that team is going to win any games, I don't know that they have weapons on the perimeter that you necessarily need to be afraid of. It's going to be K.J. Jefferson Raheem Sa- and Raheem Sanders in the backfield in the read option. And they need to sprinkle in and get A.J. Green in space. A.J. Green is one of the fastest running backs in the country. He has a verified 10-3, 100-meter dash time. When this isn't about A.J. Green, but I think if that that, um, offense is going to get where it wants to be, those two need to be emphasized in the offense. And so I've got Raheem Sanders, a former wide receiver, uh, with good hands, use them in the passing game too. At number eight, I have Trevante Citizen. And I think that there is a very good mix between the offense and this player. Um, I think that Miami is going to use a bell cow running back. And this is um, uh, a guy who's committed to this new coaching staff. He, I, I think that he could potentially take over this backfield at some point during the season. And we've seen what, uh, Josh Gaddis had done with Blake Corn at Michigan. We've seen what Jim Harbaugh has done over the years with 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 running backs, and so uh, I've got Trevante Citizen at number eight. At number nine, I've got Cedric Baxter. Uh, I think Cedric Baxter is the best running back in a weak class, uh, better than Ruben Ru- Owens, and I think big wide receiver guy has it the same. Way you're talking about a 5'11, 190 pound running back, natural agility in tight in, in tight quarters, verified 10 600 meter dash times, state championship level long jumper, and averaged uh 10 and 12 yards per carry as a sophomore and in, in as a sophomore and junior, uh, respectively. Gabe Brooks has comped him to TJ Yeldon. Now, that's not the greatest comp, but if you look at the comps for running backs in this 2023 class. None of them are 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 great. Um and then so he's so he's the freshman and I've got Chris Tyree at number 10. I think that I think that things are shaping up including the injury to Logan Diggs, including the fact that we expect Tyler Buckner to be the starting quarterback. I think that things are shaping up for for Chris Tyree to have a huge, huge season. Lindy Sports has the offensive line ranked number one, and we're talking about a kid who had a verified 4-2 40-yard dash uh, uh, coming out of high school. He is going to have, I think, a lot of breakaway runs. He's been returning kicks there. Um, so Chris Tyree, I have number 10, which might be too light. Should probably have him, you know, in the seven, eight range. But Chris Tyree is number 10. Austin, um, why don't you give us your six through 10 at the running back position? Um, or if you have any comments, if you want to make any side side remarks about my running backs, you can do that too. Me? Um, no, I think um, I th- Tyree's an interesting one. I mean, I just am kind of put off by the size. And you usually are like a big bad guy, so I'm interested to hear you uh say that you're in on Tyree as a top 10 guy and top 10 might be like 10 might be too low but look how productive Kyron Williams was in that system without a a dual threat at quarterback and so I think that the system is going to kind of replicate the success there gotcha no interesting um 
so I'll start off a guy that you guys both had in your, oh, sorry, Felix is one name. I'm going to leak. Uh, you guys both had Shipley in your top five. I have him here at six. Um, look, I, I like Will Shipley a lot. Um, I'm interested to see what he does uh, in a full season. I just think the, the five guys ahead ahead of him are, are marginally better. And I'm not sure Shipley is ever going to hit that point where we view him as like a, a potentially elite back. And I just think the five guys ahead of him that I had, um, uh, all, all probably can hit that uh, number seven uh, Devin Neal I have um, look like he might he he is more of a Debbie player I know these are supposed to be like our campus to Canton rankings and, and the college scoring does matter for a lot of these but Neal is a guy at Kansas with a head coach that is turning Kansas around that is known for producing very productive backs in college and he's never really because he came from Buffalo and then before that some some really small schools uh, he's never had a guy that's as talented as Devin Neal um, so I think Devin Neal has a really nice chance to put up some really nice numbers there. And then I think just, you know, 40 inch vert, like sub four, five, 40, like over 210 pounds. Like this is the kind of back that, that kind of sneaks up on people and ends up getting uh, uh, some pretty nice draft capital as well. Number eight's my weird one, uh, but stay with me here uh, for a second. Cartavius Norton at eight. We love the Iowa wow. state back. We love the Iowa State back. I have been saying for months now that I know Jarrell Brock, who's been at Iowa State for a few years, is the next guy up. Cartavius Norton is the most talented running back on the roster. It is just a fact. So much so that Phil Steele, who sits down with all, ev literally every single coaching staff in the FBS, sits down with a member of their staff and talks to them about their team. He doesn't have 100% hit rate, but he has Cartavius Norton as the guy that ends up starting at running back for the Cyclones. He was there this spring, looked really, really good. He's over 210 pounds already. Like, he's not an uber athlete. He comps more David Montgomery than Brees Hall. But those are the last two backs that have come out of this team. Like, they clearly know what they're doing in terms of identifying talent, developing it, getting it on the field, and having it produce in college. So Cartavius Norton's my weird one. But if he gets that job, I really think he's going to shoot up rankings number nine is like I, I talked about how i didn't feel good about jackson dart in my top five i don't feel good about donovan edwards in my top 10 but i don't know what else to do with him he was so good receiving the ball last year he's so dynamic as a receiver but he's so soft between the tackles i don't know what to do with this kid he's 200 pounds he doesn't look like he wants to gain any more weight like this this dude is an enigma, but I'm going to put him at nine for now. He's probably going to have a bigger percentage of Michigan's backfield. So I, I'm, I'm going to put him here on the the chance that he flashes some more for us this year. And the number 10 is Baxter. I actually agree with you. He's my top back in the class as well. I haven't watched too many running backs uh, in the 2023 class. I've watched enough to know that this class is crap. Um, but he he's a really intriguing player. Um, and he's already got like nice size and, and all that good stuff. So I, I have him at 10. Um and that's also marginally, but just because there's nobody else after that, assuming that like all these other guys go to the NFL, like LJ, LJ Johnson, I'm not going to put him there at Texas A&M. Like there's so many other guys I just don't feel good about at all. I mean, thanks for shitting on the guy I have at 10. So, all right. I, I would, I would love to see a startup right now and to see if we had, if we had 20 startups start today, what Cartavius Norton's, ADP would be I mean in the top what seven rounds or so I mean I've already drafted him everywhere so <laughs> I've done my work <laughs> all right all right let's go Matthew all right my six through ten I have Cedric Baxter at six I agree with uh, what Felix said I do have him as a top running back in this class as well I think this is the likely the cheapest you'll be able to get him at any point so I'm taking him here uh, seven, I have Trevante Citizen. Again, I agree with what everything with Felix said on the, the Miami thing. I just think it's a great situation for him. I know they've got a couple guys there ahead of him, but I think he's the better player overall. Maybe he doesn't completely take over that backfield this year, but I think it's his no later than next year, and he absolutely smashes in that offense. Eight, I have Donovan Edwards. I'm kind of with Austin. Like, I think the receiving upside alone likely gets him decent draft capital. And if he can do anything just rushing the ball up the middle and in between the tackles, I think just helps him even more. We'll see. Uh, I mean, we know Michigan is likely going to run the ball out, so he'll get the opportunities. I just wonder if he'll be able to capitalize on that. Nine for me is Branson Robinson. 
I like him. I think he's there's some things he needs to improve on. I mean, there's a realistic shot. I think he doesn't start until year three, but then absolutely smashes and is a, is a high end second round draft pick. Like he's a really good running back. And then ten for me. I had so many guys here. I mean, I thought about maybe Ruben Owens. I feel like I probably like him a little bit more than some of the other people do right now. I ended up going with LJ Johnson. He was my second highest back in the class last year. I like Achain, but he's not a guy that I think is going to get a ton of carries. We have seen Jimbo Fisher, for the most part, has really split carries, and none of his running backs have gotten really much more than, I actually think it's like 180, 180 carries. But I actually think that may be a good thing for LJ Johnson's long-term health and going into the NFL. I do think he's got some kind of NFL future. And if Texas A&M is going to be as good as a lot of people are, prognosticating, well, how, do you, how do you say that word, prognosticating, is that right? I feel like I'm saying that wrong. All right, Austin's Austin's giving me the the approval, so we'll go with that. I feel like if they're if they're going to be as good as everybody's saying they are, then LJ Johnson likely has a, a good, at least a decent year this year and could absolutely smash next year. So he he jumped up into my top ten. Uh, we're tweeting at Alfred J. Do your job. We will. I'll give a copy of the freshman and supplemental draft guide to someone who does not have it to uh, someone who tweets at Alfred J. JF, do your job. I got a plug. I can get you a, co- a copy of the freshman, the inaugural freshman and supplemental draft guide. Let's go to wide receiver here. At number six, and this is an interesting one because this player is probably not going to play at all this year. Is I got Adam Randall. Um, I have Adam Randall at number six, the size, the speed. Uh, he's going to go into 2023 healthy. And I, I just think that he's an alpha profile. I'm unsure about number seven here, and I've got Ja'Cory Brooks. I don't know that Ja'Cory Brooks has a trump card as far as what he offers as a skill set, and he's going to be maybe the third or fourth option in that offense. I think it's going to be Jermaine Burton, number one, Maybe Jameer Gibbs, number two, JoJo Earl, number three, just because he's going to be closer to the football in the slot. And um, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks is going to be the the flanker on the outside, which is traditionally a, a, a position that is not um, – is one of the least heavily targeted in the offense overall. So I don't, I'm not confident about Ja'Cory Brooks at number seven. At number eight, I have JoJo Earl, who I've talked – at nauseum about at number nine, I have Mario Williams, who I can say the same for him. Uh, I think that he does play well in Lincoln Riley's system uh, as the number two. Um, was the number, you know, maybe three or four last year at Oklahoma. At the number two, I think he'll be fine. And we've seen that um, he had a good rapport with Caleb Williams in the spring game. But he had a good rapport with Spencer Rattler last year in the spring game. So I don't know how much that matters. Uh, so I got Mario Williams at number two. And at number 10, I've got Matthew Golden. Uh, I think that w- how we've hyped him up, uh, n- 10 is not, you know, unreasonable f- for him, especially if he goes out and puts up 500 yards or so as a freshman there at Houston for a team in Houston that's going to throw the ball a lot that lost uh, Alton McCaskill. So they don't, you know, they're not as strong at running back. And Dana Holgerson has already hyped up golden so um uh yep we i've got matthew golden at number 10 austin why don't you give us your six through ten at the wide receiver position this is an interesting one because uh i don't have any of those names you just listed in my top 10 although i I created a list of like 16 or 17 and as far as i remember all of them except for brooks made it and then i had to kind of pare it down from there um so yeah, without a further ado, number six, uh, Kion Grace, wide receiver at Ohio State. I just think he's like the bridge guy. He's the only guy in this class that's going to make it there. He's going to probably either start or be like that fourth wide receiver that rotates really heavily. Uh, I, I firm, pretty firmly believe that. He's very similar to Chris Olave. Like the, Hartline has a type of guy that he kind of likes as that third receiver. I think Grace just fits it like perfectly he gets open downfield easier than probably any other guy in this class and it's not like he's a four two guy like he's fast but he's got some savvy to him already i, re- I really really like his game so i'm gonna put him at six there 
uh, the th- he's the third Ohio State guy that's been on my list. Uh, number seven is Lorenzo Styles. Uh, I know one of us had him in, in our top five. He's, I think he just is the leading receiver at at Notre Dame, an offense that all of a sudden is maybe a little sexier than it has been yeah, in recent times. Uh, I say that as their top three receivers that you're going to be Styles, a tight end, and a running back. But um, I think he's a fun player. Uh, number eight, Bo Collins uh, at at um, at Clemson. Look, I, I don't know if he'll outproduce some of these other guys. I think he'll outproduce Corey Brooks this year for sure. Um, it's such a low volume offense, but he's just like he's got that alpha NFL size. He really flashed down the stretch last year. I think he's the number one wide receiver there for whoever's their quarterback. So I, he's a really nice safety blanket kind of guy. So so Bo Collins at eight. Number nine is going to be a really interesting one that I know none of you are going to have. It's John Tate Cook. Uh, he's going to be a true freshman wide receiver next year. He's still deciding between some schools. He's a fun kid. If you haven't ever heard of him, go look him up on social media. He he goes to these schools on his official visits and he's like, he like clowns them. Like he went to AM and he's like, where's all the football trophies? Like, look, he's like looking at their uh like their their big trophy case. Um, but he he did it to Texas too. Like he but he's his offer list is a who's who of uh of, of the big programs. He's um he's just incredibly dynamic and shifty. He's one of those guys that can can kind of downshift without like losing momentum, can can really change direction quickly. Um, I, I really, really like him a lot. I think he, he's reminiscent of Xavier worthy, but not quite as that top tier of an athlete, but like just that ability to make people miss. And then I did put Evan Stewart number 10 and I've debated between him, Mario Williams, a couple other guys. I do think he uh, ends up becoming the guy at Texas A&M. It's another low volume offense, kind of like Bo Collins, but, and we, again, we don't know who the quarterback will really be there. There's some options. Um, but I, I think he'll have an okay season. Uh, and whether he necessarily like should be number 10, like I think the hype of being the guy this year at AM will will raise him up to that point. Whereas Mario Williams won't have that opportunity this year, barring injury to, to Jordan Addison. So that's ultimately why I chose Stewart over Williams. I think Evan Stewart might be the player that we've undersold the most this season. Um, after you know, watching Matthew shake hold up, fingers. hold up. I want to, and I want to defend Colin here as well. I'm pretty sure in our freshman guy. Well, Colin was a little bit worried about the Texas end. I've had him very high the entire time. You just had him in your top five last week, right? Like we feel like we're giving away a lot of names now. So you didn't have him in your top five. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, you're pretty sure he was in your top five. He's also higher in my rankings than than ten. I have not undersold him. I've I've been saying for a long time. I think he's a very good prospect. So, but I get the concern. I don't. I want to just say I don't think any of us have undersold him as a prospect as in being a good player. A lot of the concern we talked about this on the freshman guy was Jimbo's offense because he's not been able. They don't really pass the ball deep and they've not really developed a wide receiver. I feel like that was always the big from other people. That was kind of the concern. It wasn't necessarily like he's not a good player. We had him fairly highly ranked in the freshman guy. It was just the Jimbo offense. Uh, so my six through ten, I would also just like to point out I love what Austin said about Gray's. Uh, he was in my top five. Six for me is Evan Stewart. I, I love him. I think he's going to smash this year. You know, I've also said many times that Jimbo did a interview with Josh Pate on the late kick, I believe it was, or maybe it was 24-7 sports recruiting thing because they did that whole recruiting day. And Jimbo said he understands that college football is changing and changing and he needs to learn to pass more down the field. I really think he's going to do that. Now, Haynes King may not be the best quarterback to do that. I like Wigman a little bit more than some of the others do. And I also think that um, Johnson might be able to do that as well. So I think Evan Stewart might goes out there and has a really good season this year. I do think he is the one. So he comes in at six for me. Seven is Lorenzo Styles. Uh, I, I do agree with everything Austin said, what what Felix has said as well. Like he's going to be the one there, Notre Dame. You know, I'm not as high on Buckner, but I do think Tommy Reese is going to open that offense more than what we've seen Brian Kelly do over the past couple, couple what feels like decades. Uh, at eight, I have Matthew Golden all in, baby. Uh, he's phenomenal. He's going to have a good year at Houston this year, and then they're going to be in the Big 12 next year, and he's going to go out there and do that against Big 12 competition is likely the one in that offense. His, his stock is just going to continue to skyrocket. Uh, nine for me, I have Troy Franklin. I'm still in on Franklin. I think Knicks might be able to unlock him a little bit this year. I know there's concerns about Oregon's offense and Kenny Dillingham, maybe Dilling, you know, 
I, I don't know what to think about what Dillingham was at Auburn. I think their leading receiver only had like 800 yards uh, that year. I just think Troy Franklin is a phenomenal prospect. I think they're going to throw the ball more. And what gives me even more hope for him is if Dante Moore goes there, I think Dante Moore could really be a good thing for Troy Franklin. So I put him at nine. And at 10, he was not here beforehand, but Corey was the one who posted that little post about TCU that boosted him up. Sonny Dykes talking up the fact that either uh, was it Jordan Hudson or DJ Allen has a chance to really take a step forward as the wide receiver too. And I think it's going to be DJ Allen. And I think he's going to have a decent freshman year and then he'll explode the next two years once Quentin Johnson's gone. Uh, I've, I've kind of maintained my fact that he's a top wide receiver for me in this class. He, he was one for a long time. He did get jumped by a couple players, uh, but he's still top three for me. Uh, being in that offense and, and what Sonny Dykes has been able to do for wide receivers, I just think he's going to absolutely smash the next couple of years. So he, he made his way into my top 10. We appreciate you watching live on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Campus to Canton on YouTube. Uh, we are, you know, trying to really put out good content in every form that we have: the website, the podcast feed, the YouTube page. We've even got the TikTok. So if you like the TikToks, go ahead and subscribe to Campus to Canton on TikTok too. Um, hey coach, no tight ends. I, I was I was just gonna go. I just listen. I'm a pro- okay. professional. I I was you didn't give your in. you didn't give five tight ends last week. So I just I just wanted no, to make sure. I know that you guys had them. I'm trying to throw our plugs in here, so we can get business done. Austin, go ahead. Give us your 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 tight ends. Yeah, I was really excited for these. Uh, weirdly, maybe more excited than the other ones. Um, my top five is very unorthodox, so you're going to want to go listen to that. There you go, Felix. There's your plug. Uh, number six, Jatavian Sanders at Texas. Sounds like they really want him to be a full-time tight end this year. He looked pretty solid in the spring. Like, does he ever have 800-yard upside at Texas? Maybe not just because there's so many other guys there, but he's really, really athletic. He was a five-star athlete last year, like D-end, tight end hybrid. Um, I, I think, you know, if he can get some – Minimal blocking down. He can be a really nice move tight end in the NFL. Number seven, my top 2023 freshman, uh, Deuce Robinson. Um, he's really good. He would have been my top tight end in this past class. Um, he's like 6'6", 235 already. He moves really, really well. Uh, apparently, probably USC, um, which I, I think a great spot there for him. Uh, number seven, Cam Burnett, who's at uh, Arizona. Like I, Some of these guys are really hard to project, but big athletic guy, offense that has... Uh, need for somebody to catch a pass uh, I think he can slot in there number nine Arliss Boardingham he think he needs a year um, he's a Florida true freshman this year he's kind of H back ish he's like 6'4 225 230 but I think if he can bulk up a little bit uh, just really 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 good athlete really 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 good athlete and that's again all we're really looking for for a lot of these guys if we can get it Arliss Boardingham um, one of the players that Corey Yates at Recruiting Analytics really uh, touted. He popped on all of their data and everything. So there we go. So I'm not. I am not alone. Um, and then number ten, Jaleel Skinner. He's kind of there by default because he's just a, a, an athletic guy. But um, listen, like I think the the Jaleel Skinner hype is way overblown just because of how small he is. Like he's six five, like two ten, and I don't know that he has the frame to get that big. He's not Kyle Pitts. Um, and he's going to be probably behind Elijah Arroyo. So I, I'm I'm putting him there just because there is some upside. And again, like we're just looking for athletes, but he's a very scary guy. And I wouldn't be spending like significant capital on him unless I'm in a league that's like start two tight end and like two PPR tight end premium. Like he's just not a guy that I'm I'm banking on doing something. Yeah, I only had seven altogether. Um my my six was Elijah Royo, who just missed out on my top five. Two Skinner, I agree with what Austin said about him, possibly on last week's episode in top five, or maybe a different show. I don't know. You have to go listen. Uh, but he, he, I do think that he is a, a phenomenal tight end there at Miami. And then I have to put G. Scott Jr. up there, right? I mean, Jeremy Rucker just got drafted in the third round. Uh, I don't know that he does anything any better, maybe blocking. Uh, I don't know that he does anything better than G. Scott Jr. Uh, he's he's holding at 235 now. I think that's decent enough. He can get just five more pounds. I think he he can be a very solid uh, offensive tight end at the NFL level. So give him two more years, I think he could be an absolute smash at the tight end position. So he came in at seven. Those are the only two I had left on mine. 
the tight end position is so interesting in, in that this is the one position where a player may have done absolutely nothing through multiple seasons where we are still projecting them at the top of our rankings. I mean, you look at a player like Arroyo or Jatavian Sanders, who has not done anything in his freshman his freshman year, absolutely nothing. Uh, same, so um, it's it's an interesting position to project. Um, all right, gentlemen. Anything anything else we need to cover? I don't think so. I think that is all we're tweeting at Alfred J. Elfman on Twitter. Do your job. Make sure you check out the website, campus2canton.com. We've got a lot of content for you. I think we have confirmed that we are going to be doing um, the two shows when the fall gets here, both the tailgate in the morning and the evening show, whatever it is that we end up calling it. I think we're going to change the name there, but we want you to support those shows. We are going to be, you know, giving you everything you you need as far as a breakdown live stream before the games on Saturday morning and uh, after the games on Saturday evening. It's going to be late nights, but stay up with us. All right. All right. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. For Austin Nason, Matt Bruning, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.